0: You are listening to New Covenant Fellowship. You know, I hate to say I told you so, but I did. did not. Ever said that to somebody? Well, probably not, because you are all way too mature for that. You're probably too mature to have even thought it at some point, but chances are you have probably had an occasion in which you would have been fully justified in saying that. Perhaps you gave sound advice to a friend or wise counsel. Maybe maybe a, a friend of yours was dating a guy that you knew to be a scumbag. And, and, and so you told her, you know, I don't think it's good for you to be with him. I, I think, you know, it, it's not in your best interest to be dating him. I, I, I think he, his past indicates that he's kind of a womanizer and I have a feeling that this is just going to end in pain for you. And your friend's response is, you don't know him like I know him. He loves me. And so your friend scorns your words and neglects your advice, continues to remain with him, and sure enough, that relationship ends in heartbreak. And your friend comes to you in tears. Not exactly the best time to say, I told you so, but you did, didn't you? Why did you give such... Good advice to your friend? Well, because you loved her, because you had an objective perspective and you wanted what was best for her. Or perhaps, as a parent, you gave advice to your child. I don't think it's good for you to hang out with him. I think he's nothing but trouble. I, I think he's going to drag you down. And, and your child did not listen. Continue continued to spend time with that individual and his grades started declining started ending up in the principal's office over and over and over, once again, wise counsel, sound advice, neglected to his detriment. Now, consider to whom we give wise counsel. To those we love. right? We don't try to go find our arch nemesis or our worst enemy and say, I think I'm going to give them some good advice today. We give sound advice and, and, and You know, wise counsel to people we love, family, friends. For what purpose? Well, because we want to see them benefit. We want to see them succeed. We want to see them excel. We want to see them prosper. We want to see them blessed. Well, what qualifies us to give advice, to give counsel? Well, a few different things. Uh, for one, perhaps we have been there before. Perhaps we have experience. We, we've been through what they're going through. and So we can speak from experience. Or perhaps we have knowledge or wisdom or insight on that particular topic. They're going through something that we've studied before. We, we've taken a course on that topic. Or perhaps we've got a better vantage point. We've got a better perspective. Because they're emotionally involved to the degree that their judgment is obscured. They're thinking subjectively so we've got got a better perspective. We can be objective. And so from that point, we can offer sound advice. Well, as wise as you and I are, and and we can give the best advice in the world, as experienced as we are, as much as we love somebody, they don't always take our advice, right? They have two choices. They can either take our advice or neglect it, scorn it. If they take our advice, if it's good advice... They'll benefit. They'll prosper. It'll be to their good. In short, to heed is to succeed. But if they neglect good advice, it's a sure shot. It's a a straight road to failure, frustration, loss, and pain. In short, to neglect is to get wrecked. (laughs) (laughs) Now... Imagine with me, right, as much experience and wisdom and knowledge and insight and love that you and I have. Imagine with me somebody with unparalleled love. Imagine with me somebody with infinite wisdom, infinite insight, infinite knowledge. Somebody with a vantage point that transcends space and time, with a better perspective than you and I could ever imagine. Imagine in your mind's eye. You see him? You see, Jesus, now just imagine with me, hypothetically speaking, imagine that Jesus is giving not just sound advice, not just wise counsel, but he's preaching the sermon of sermons. Well, that doesn't exist only in your imagination. As you know, we can find this very sermon in Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 7, where we will... Conclude Jesus' Sermon on the Mount this famous sermon in which we have been hanging on every word of Jesus. And we'll see that the point that Jesus makes this morning is that his words should be taken seriously. That it would be foolish to neglect his words but to heed is to succeed if people would benefit from listening to my advice to your advice because of our knowledge and insight how much more will we benefit from listening to the words of Jesus who is wisdom incarnate if If people will benefit from listening to our advice because we've got a better vantage point than them, how much more will we benefit from listening to the words of Jesus, whose vantage point is beyond this world? All right, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Now as we have been saying throughout this series, Jesus is the new Moses. Just as Moses was preparing the covenant community of Israel for life in the land, so also Jesus, the new Moses, is preparing a new covenant community for life in the new land, life in the heavenly kingdom. Now in the giving of the law of Moses, we see a pattern. We see this, where where Moses explains to them the law, gives them the law, he tells them plainly, he tells them up front, No surprises. Just so you know what you're getting in this deal, if you fully obey all of the commands that I give you today, you will be blessed. Very real, very tangible, very physical blessings of rain and crops and babies and victory. Blessing everything that they would put their hands to, they would just obey. To heed is to succeed. But if you disobey, if you disobey... You will be cursed. Very real, very tangible, very physical curses. Cursing everything you put your hand to. God will shut the skies. Bring foreign nations against you. To neglect is to get wrecked. Now what did Israel do with what they knew? What did they do with what they knew? Because they knew that if they would just obey that they would be blessed. It would be in their best interest. It would be to their benefit. They would succeed. And they knew that if they disobeyed that they would experience frustration, loss, pain, and failure. They knew. What did they do with what they knew? Well, they said yes with their lips but not with their lives. And if Moses lived through the time of the judges and through the time of the kings, would he not have every justification And saying to Israel, I hate to say I told you so, but I did, didn't I? I told you that if you disobeyed, God would shut up the skies. And that your cross would fail. And that he would send locusts to devour them. And that you would be destroyed by a foreign army and taken into captivity. I hate to say I told you so, but I did, didn't I? Israel would have been blessed if they just obeyed. It was in their best interest to do so. But instead, they said, Lord, not your will be done, but my will be done. As everyone did what they saw fit in their own eyes. Well, in the words of Jesus, here in the Sermon on the Mount, we see a similar structure. We see a similar pattern in the sense that to not only listen to the words of Jesus, but to put them into practice is to be blessed. And why? To heed is to succeed, and similarly, to simply listen to Jesus' words but not put them into practice is foolish. It's to experience loss, pain, frustration, and failure. James puts it this way in James chapter one, verses twenty-two through twenty-five. James says, "Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says." Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is is like a man who looks at himself in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Blessed. And not just hearing, not just listening to the word, but doing what it says, there is an inherent blessing. You know, that word that is translated as blessed, it means fortune or happy. And isn't that what everybody wants? To be happy? Isn't that why we do what we do because we think it'll bring us happiness? But what will bring us ultimate happiness is to not simply be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. To heed is to succeed. Now, it's tempting to think that the, the most unhappy people are those outside of the kingdom, unbelievers, those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I have heard it said, and I tend to agree, that the least happy people are not those outside the kingdom, not those who don't know the Lord Jesus, but the believers who know the Lord Jesus, who know the words of Jesus, but do not put those words into practice. You see, those outside the kingdom, those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, those who don't care what Jesus has to say, there's no violation to their conscience when they walk contrary to the words of Jesus. They're in their element fish in water. But for the believer, for he who knows the Lord Jesus, knows his words, but does not put them into practice, well, there's a violation to his conscience. He's outside of his element. It's like a fish out of water. I read a book recently in which the author said, that for a man to violate his own precepts, for a man to walk contrary to his own principles, is to put far more stress on his soul than all of the demands, all of the stressful demands of work and family and anything else combined. Mm. It's pretty insightful. So while the most (coughs) unhappy people are not those outside the kingdom, those who don't know the Lord Jesus... But those who know the Lord Jesus, but walk not according to His words, who don't put His words into practice, the happiest people, the happiest people, the most blessed people, are those who not only hear His words, but put them into practice. The most blessed people are those who look intently into that perfect law that gives freedom. Not forgetting what he has heard, but continuing in it, he will be blessed in what he does. Not simply being a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. He will be happy. He will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. Because when the rains come down, and the streams rise, and the winds blow and beat against that house, it will stand because it has its foundation on the rock. But the man who hears the words of Jesus, the young lady who hears the words of Jesus, but does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Rains come down and the streams rise and the winds blow and beat against that house. And it comes down with a great crash because it has its foundation on sand. As James says, do not merely... Listen to the word and so deceive yourselves to what it says. For inherent in that is a blessing. It's for our own good. It's to our benefit. To heed is to succeed. In the kingdom, it's not just about what you know. It's about what you do with what you know. We tend to commend ourselves when we attain a certain level of knowledge. We tend to, we tend to equate knowledge with maturity. We tend to think that if I attain a certain level of knowledge, I have arrived. But what good is knowledge alone? What good is it simply just to know? When I was a child, I would. I come home from school and watch cartoons after I did my homework, and every day I would watch G.I. Joe after school. And at the end of every episode, there was this little life lesson in which one of the army dudes would teach a little lesson to one of the children, and the kid would say, And now I know. And the army guy would say, And knowing is half the battle. That's right. And knowing <laughs> is half the battle. Knowing is half the battle. It's not just what you know, but what you do with what you know. Because the other half of the battle is what you do with what you know. I mean, we can know all of the mechanics of hermeneutics. We can, we can be masters of rightly dividing the word of truth. I mean, we can, we can point out when somebody's taking the scriptures out of context. We can even tell you what the original Greek word was in this text. We can draw out a timeless principle. But if we're not putting those principles into practice, what good is all of the rest of it? What good is knowing all of that? Not just about what you know, but what you do with what you know. We can have the entire Sermon on the Mount memorized. We can really know the words of Jesus. It's not just about what you know, but what you do with what you know. If we know the words of Jesus, but do not put them into practice, like the foolish man who built his house on sand, Spiritual maturity is not defined by what you know. It's only half the battle. Spiritual maturity comes with what you do with what you know. Putting the words into practice. Now, if I had to choose between two options, if I had option one, I could know the entire New Testament by heart. I could tell you the historical context of every single book, the authorship, the date it was written, all of the above, but not so awesome at putting those words into practice. Or, option number two, I only know one or two verses, but I have them mastered in the sense that I put them into practice consistently, I would choose the latter. And I would choose love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and all your strength to love your neighbor as yourself. And if I could simply master those two verses, putting them into practice with my life consistently, I would love it. I would choose that any day over all the knowledge of the world alone. Knowing is half the battle. Jesus didn't come simply to inform, but to transform. Jesus didn't come simply to convey information, but through that information to bring about transformation transformation from the inside out, a call to repentance from the heart. Because in the kingdom, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. In the fruit of obedience, the fruit of right conduct comes from the root of right character, which comes from the heart. <coughs> Jesus didn't come simply to gather a people who draw near to him with their lips, but whose hearts are far from him, but a people who love him and love others deeply from the heart. But even if we have been given a new heart, even if we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to sanctify us and transform us there is still a very real practical sense in which we must moment by moment make the choice to say either, yes Lord your will be done or, "Mm, you know, right now this sounds more rewarding, so not right now Lord my will be done for the time being you see, when we say
1: I believe
0: I prayed the prayer there's not this magical transformation in which we automatically magically always make the right choice all the time. We still must in the midst in the midst of temptation we still must conscientiously take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And when temptation comes, what will we do? When the storms of life come, and they will, will our house come crashing down or will it stand? What will we do? (coughs) When you have a conflict with a friend, will you see that relationship is so important that you will do whatever it takes to bring reconciliation, to bring conflict resolution, even if it occurs to you when you're in the middle of worship, even if you were not the one at fault, will you humble yourself and go to your brother or sister and reconcile? Will you put Jesus' words into practice because according to Jesus for citizens in the kingdom relationships are paramount to heed is to succeed to do so is to your benefit yields the fruit of healthy relationships but to neglect Jesus' words to fail to put them into practice is to invite (coughs) Frustration, failure, pain, and loss. Broken relationships and burned bridges. When summer comes and girls are wearing less clothing and the temptation comes, will you allow your eyes to wander? Or will you remain faithful in your heart? When you sign on to PandoraRadio.com, innocently, and then all of the provocative advertisements pop up, will you click on that link? Or will you in your heart remain faithful and pure? Will you put the words of Jesus into practice? To do so is to your benefit. To do so, you will be blessed. For blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. When your marriage experiences turbulence, and there is the temptation to rip asunder what God has joined together, will you put Jesus' words into practice and fight? to remain united as one until death do you part? You put Jesus' words into practice, for to do so, there will be a blessing in that. But to neglect the words of Jesus is to invite pain, loss, broken hearts, broken homes. Some of you have experienced that. And these words are not intended to condemn you, if you have been involved in something like that, but to point out that the words of Jesus are not simply a list of do's and don'ts that are intended to keep you and I from joy and happiness that life has to offer us, but they are for our good as he sits in a position where his vantage point, his perspective is far greater than our own, and he as as good as we know we can give good advice to our friends, and we can think that, man, we've got great perspective where we're sitting How much greater is his perspective? How much better does he know what is good for us than we know for ourselves? To heed is to succeed. To put the words of Jesus into practice and remain united as one is to actually display to the world around you the magnificent relationship between Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. What a blessing to be able to take part in illustrating that to the world around us. Well, when it seems that it's in your best interest to be dishonest, will you be honest? Will you maintain integrity and be entirely trustworthy? A person whose yes is yes and whose no is no? Will you honor your commitments and be a person of your word? Will you put Jesus' words into practice and be truth-tellers? It is in your best interest to do so. It is for your good. It is to your benefit. You will be blessed because people will trust you. But to neglect... Jesus' words, and to fail to put them into into practice is to become that boy who cried wolf. Nobody will ever know if they can trust the words that are coming out of your mouth. Is that what we want? It's to our benefit. When somebody wrongs you, when somebody does you harm, will you retaliate? Will you seek vengeance? Or will you turn the other cheek? Will you be willing to go the extra mile even for somebody who you are not particularly fond of? Will you put Jesus' words into practice and be a people of pardon? It's in your best interest to do so. Because by doing so, you and I will be embodying the way of Jesus Christ. We will be little Christ's living as Christians for the world to see. In those moments when it is tempting to serve self to the neglect of others, will you love your neighbor as yourself? What about when that neighbor is somebody who has positioned himself or herself as your enemy? Will you love even him? Will you choose to do the verb love? Will you put Jesus' words into practice and be a people who love others? For to do so is in your best interest. You will be blessed if you do, for in doing so, you will be fulfilling the one rule that sums up all the other commands, whatever other command that there may be. When the temptation arises, to say or to do something before other people in order that you might be seen by them, in order that they might think more highly of you than they should? Mm -hmm. Will you serve in secret so that only your Heavenly Father sees what is done? Or will you, with hypocrisy, put on a mask Will you put Jesus' words in practice and be secret service agents? If you do, you will be blessed. Because for those who receive their approval from men have already received their reward. But for you and I, who serve in secret, will hear from our Heavenly Father, well done, my good and faithful servant. And to receive approval from God, to receive commendation from him to know that we have pleased him is far greater blessing than a pats on the backs, high five daps, pats on the butt from any human being. <coughs> Where will you make your investments? In heavenly things which yield far greater dividends or in earthly Who will be your master? When money rears its ugly head and the temptation to serve money comes, will you serve money for God? When everybody else around you is taking vacations and upgrading and buying bigger and better and more awesomer things, will you confuse quality of life with standard of living? Or will you maintain right perspective? Understanding the difference between quality of life and standard of living. And store treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Will you put Jesus' words into practice and be generous givers? To neglect Jesus' words is to suffer loss and frustration for storing up treasure on earth subject to loss. Moth and rust destroy. Thieves break in and steal. When the storms of life come, and they will, will you respond with anxiety? Will you worry or will you put Jesus' words into practice. Trusting the words of him who said, "You see the birds of the air that don't sow or reap or store away in the barns? Heavenly Father feeds them. And look at the lilies of the field. They don't they don't spin on the spindle They And yet your heavenly Father clothes them more beautifully than Solomon in all of his splendor. Look how they are dressed. When you put Jesus' words into practice and be a people without worry, to do so is to be blessed. It is in your best interest To do so, but to neglect Jesus' words, to fail to put them into practice, is to invite frustration and loss and pain. What can a man add to his life by worrying? Can you add a single hour to your life? No. But you can lose sleep. You can add ulcers and unnecessary stress. You see another person... Doing something that seems out of place? Will you be quick to judge him or her? Or will you first examine your own heart? Will you put Jesus' words into practice? To do so, you will be blessed. When the storms of life come, will you first look to your own devices? We look to the left and look to the right. Or will your first response be? prayer? Will you ask? Will you seek? Will you knock? Will you put Jesus' words into practice and be a people of prayer? For to do so is to be blessed. For to do so, you will be cultivating a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And it is for this purpose that you and I were created. And in doing so, we will be fulfilling our life's purpose. In the midst of competing voices? To which voice, which prophetic voice will you lend your ear? Will you put Jesus' words into practice and listen to His voice and the God-inspired voice of His apostles and prophets as recorded in the Holy Scriptures? Or will you lend your ear to those competing voices? you listen to the voice of scripture you will be blessed but if you listen to those competing voices you'll be tossed back and forth by the wind and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming you will suffer frustration and failure does no good Simply just to hear the words of Jesus and not put them into practice. It's, it's foolish. It's a waste. It's like hiring an architect and paying him good money to draw up blueprints for a magnificent home, and hiring out subcontractors to do plumbing and electrical and structural work, and going and paying a large sum of money for building materials and lumber, and getting it all together, and saying, Right there. Build it right there on that sand dune. Because when the rains come down and the streams rise and the winds blow (laughs) and beat against that house, come crashing down. What a waste of time and energy and effort and money. How foolish. It's foolish. To have been given the words of Jesus and to simply listen and not put them into practice. See when we give sound advice, we do so because we love somebody, because we want what is best for them, we have their best interest in mind, we want their good, we want them to succeed. that's our motivation how much more can we trust that the words of Jesus are not simply a list of do's and don'ts intended to prevent us from truly enjoying all that life has to offer but his words are for our good and that he wants what is best for us and that to heed is to succeed for in doing so we will be blessed if we have an excellent vantage point, we can be objective because we're looking from the outside in. Friends being subjective and emotional. If our perspective is so great, how much more can we trust the objective perspective of Jesus, the vantage point of Jesus who is outside of space and time, who knows all things? I mean, if we offer wisdom... And advice out of our experience and our knowledge? How much more can we trust Jesus, the infinitely wise God? These words of Jesus are not simply wise counsel for our right? man. these words are the decree of the King of kings, and they are better than the best advice than anybody has ever given to anybody ever. They can be trusted. They are for our good. Let us not simply be hearers of the word and so deceive ourselves. Let us do what it says. It's in the kingdom. It's not about what you know but what you do with what you know. The past several weeks, we have been hanging on the words of Jesus. Now you know. Knowing is half the battle. What will you do with what you know?